This reading can be found on page 485 in the Pew Bibles. So that's the book of Nehemiah, starting at chapter 1, verses 1 to 11. So that's page 485. So the words of Nehemiah, son of Hakaliah. In the month of Kislev, in the 20th year, while I was in the citadel of Susa, Hanani, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men. And I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile, and also about Jerusalem. They said to me, Those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates have been burned with fire. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted, and prayed before the God of heaven. Then I said, Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments, let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer your servant is praying before you day and night for your servants, the people of Israel. I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's family, have committed against you. We have acted very wickedly toward you. We have not obeyed the commands, decrees and laws you gave your servant Moses. Remember the instruction you gave your servant Moses, saying, If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands, then even if you are, you are exiled people, sorry, then even if you are exiled people at the farthest horizon, I will gather them there and bring them to the place I have chosen as my dwelling for my name. They are your servants and your people, whom you redeemed by your great strength and your mighty hand. Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Give your servant success today by granting him favour in the presence of this man. I was cupbearer to the king. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Tim. Good morning, everyone. Great to see you all. I hope you had a good weekend so far. So today is a vision and a gift Sunday, so I'm going to speak a little bit about the vision. And what's our vision? It is to love God, love people, and make a difference. And we have that vision because what we're trying to do is actually take the words of Jesus seriously, his teaching seriously, and he actually does call us to love God, doesn't he, in the greatest commandment at the end of Matthew's gospel. Matthew 22, he says this, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. So God calls us to love him. He also calls us to love people. And the second is like it. It goes on to say, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. And of course, he calls us to make a difference. I don't know whether you feel like you're making a difference, but the call on your life and mine is to make 
a massive difference to the people around us, to the world. How do we do that? Well, Jesus says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you to the very end of the age. So we actually uh, have a huge impact when we speak of Christ, see people come to faith, and also help people in their journey of faith. This uh, is, is really what Jesus was, would say, is how we can make a massive uh, difference. I want to say this morning, you know, okay, vision, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> We've heard it, blah, 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 blah. But actually, church vision, (laughs) vision and gift Sunday. But actually, what I want to say is that this is really urgent, that we um, actually, I want to suggest, take this really, really seriously. And, you know, we've talked about uh, actually the context in which we find ourselves in uh, as a church and the context we find ourselves uh, in in the UK. And this call, actually, to love people, love God, love people and make a difference is really, really urgent. I want to suggest at this time. And we've had all sorts of people speak to us about this. Can you remember Alan Hume when he came in? Uh, The expert from the diocese on just church and church life in the UK and in Surrey. Can anyone remember him? Okay, that's probably good because I'm going to say some of what he said. He actually said, you know, the church in this country, all denominations, but also the Church of England, uh, actually is facing a chronic crisis. And he said interesting things. He said, actually, the crisis isn't declining congregations. Apparently, in Anglican terms, the average size of a church is 80 people. And uh, actually, roll for 20 years, you'll probably lose a quarter of the people. He said, that's not the real crisis. It's serious. He said, the crisis isn't you know, the scraps that are going on within the church around women bishops and same-sex relationships. He said those things are really, really important. Don't get me wrong. But he said, actually, the crisis is the age of membership in a church, in the average church uh, in this country, especially Anglican churches. And he said the real, the real heart of the issue is that generation upon generation upon generation of people have not been engaging with the church in this country. Multiple generations now have not been engaging uh, with the church. And um, he said the only, the only reason we haven't declined faster is because doctors are keeping us alive longer, uh, which is an interesting thing, isn't it? It's kind of, a, let's get, okay, let's invest in the medical world and then we'll stay alive longer and the numbers will be better. But actually, this is an interesting reality, isn't it? That actually what we do here in the morning, I don't know about you, I absolutely love it. I love seeing you each week. It's actually quite a strange thing to do in our country. And many, many people uh, find it quite unusual. We had Alpha last week. We had a great first night. I spoke to a woman there. Uh, She said uh, at the end of the night, she said, "Um, uh, this has been my first time ever in a church, and I don't think I'm going to come back. I said, why aren't you going to come back? She said, because I know absolutely nothing. I've never heard any of this before, and I I, I just feel actually really frightened to be here. So I spoke to her and said, look, just come back. You don't need to know anything, and we'd love to see you next week. So that is a normal sort of uh, experience of church. Someone else in the group said, you know, uh, I'm kind of just about a Christian, maybe not a Christian. I don't really know where I am. But I do notice when I speak to my friends about being a Christian, they feel really frightened. 
they seem to get really frightened. So I'm just emphasizing that actually, you know, uh, we've got a real opportunity here, a real uh, crisis, a real opportunity to make a difference uh, and engage. And uh, is that really, really depressing so far? I hope it's not. But we've got to face the music, I want to say. And as a Christian today in the UK, I want to uh, encourage us to think about this. And I've picked Nehemiah. I don't know whether you know Nehemiah, but I've got a few recommendations of how we can respond to the reality of where we are uh, as a country, as an Anglican church, the reality for us here at St. Saviour's. Here's a few things. The first I want to suggest is we need to understand our times and choose to engage with this stuff. We need to understand our times and choose to engage with this stuff. You see, uh, Nehemiah was a man of his times. He was actually very influential. He was cupbearer to the king. Uh, He was up on current events. He had his finger on the pulse. You know, he knew about current affairs and what was happening. And he cared about uh, the Jewish people, the people of God at that time, his fellow people who had survived the exile. Verses 1 to 3 say this. The words of Nehemiah, son of Hakaliah, In the month of Kislev, in the 20th year, while I was in the citadel of Susa, Hanani, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men, and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile and also about Jerusalem. They said to me, those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. You see, I think Alan from the diocese would say our walls uh, are falling down. We find ourselves in exile and actually uh, we need to actually urgently engage and urgently uh, understand our times and see what's happening. I don't know how you feel about this or whether you uh, feel you're up on this stuff, but actually it's clear that we simply can't stay as we are as a church. As a church, we cannot stay as we are if we're to address some of the issues that uh, are confronting us. And I'm not being depressive this morning. You know, actually, we've got so much to celebrate as a church. There's so much amazing stuff going on. Our overseas mission work is, is, is extraordinary. Our life groups are amazing. And we've got this extraordinary special needs work. Uh, our alphas just kicked off well. We've had amazing Ravi Zacharias evenings. The young adult stuff is going really, really well. But we have a challenge on our hands. And actually... We just can't stay as we are. We can't stay as we are, I want to suggest this morning. And Alan basically said we've got two challenges in light of what's happening in the church. The first is we need to engage more effectively with younger generations. And secondly, we actually need to learn how to more effectively engage with people who don't go to church. Now, you might be sitting there thinking, oh, oh, all the church ever speaks about these days is young people, and I'm not that young anymore. And uh, I feel like that. You know, I, I tick my age on the boxes, and I'm going, I used to tick near the top of the list. Now I'm in the middle. It's kind of great. I wasn't even allowed to go to the young adults thing last week. I said to Josh, please, can I come? Josh, please. He said, no, it's not for you. I thought, thanks for nothing. But basically, um, 
They've just done a study of young people, millennials, as the generation is known as. Guess what the study has concluded? Do you know what millennials want? They want to be part of a community where they get to know and journey through life with older people. That's what they want. They're sick and tired of being marketed to in specific generational ways and have all this stuff thrown on them. And actually what they want to be is part of a a, a vibrant community where they can walk and learn from and befriend older people. So this is what we can really, really uh, offer as a church because we're trying to be a big multi-generational family here, aren't we? So it's, it's interesting hearing some of the new people join the church, the younger lot. They say, oh, I love St. Saviour's because you've got a real age range here. It's fantastic. I love, it feels real. It feels like family. So the first thing I'm suggesting we need to do is we need to choose uh, to engage. Are you engaging with this stuff? Or not? Are you actually engaging with this stuff? Secondly, if we're going to engage, uh, actually, how do you engage? You need to know what your heartbeat is. What you, you know? What? How are you wired? What's your heartbeat? Verse four a. I don't know how you'd react if you were Nehemiah sitting in Susa, but verse four. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. He's gutted to hear these things. He's gutted to hear about the fortunes or the misfortunes of his fellow people of God. Now, we've talked a lot about the heartbeat here, haven't we? Uh, This sense of us discovering our heartbeat and expressing who we are, Uh, knowing what God is calling us to, knowing what our gifts are, and actually having a go at trying to move out into these things. Because as a church, we believe, don't we, that God has uniquely created us. Uh, We are the church all together. And when we respond to his spirit, to his word, what he's calling us to do, when we step out, actually, uh, he does remarkable things through us. So I'm encouraging myself, I'm encouraging you all to think about what your heartbeat is. And a good question as you think about that is, what really do you care about? What really makes you weep or cry or what moves you uh, as you think about the world, as you think about your context? What really moves you? And I know, I know for a fact different things move different people. God creates it like that. So I know some people are moved by working uh, with the poor or those uh, struggling with injustice. Some people here are moved to work for children with special needs. There's all sorts of stuff that we're moved to engage with. But like Nehemiah, we have to work out what that is and actually uh, express what our heartbeat is. You know, I've had different friends over the years. I'll tell a few stories. And basically, um, you know, I remember a friend of mine, a university professor, she really, really wanted to help people in crisis. And she thought, How, what shall I do? She said, I'm going to cook for people in crisis. And uh, so she gathered some people around her at her church, and she set up this thing called Angel Food. And uh, she started just taking frozen meals to people in crisis. Some of them were Christian, most of them weren't. And she put a little sticker on the front. It said, Angel Food, with love from the church she went to. She'd knock on the door, and then she'd give them the meal, and then leave. And uh, she, uh, last time I heard, had fed with a team of people over 5,000 people. And uh, it was on the national news. Uh, People were so blown away by it. And when people here uh, who are in crisis, they've been bereaved or actually they're in crisis because they can't cope with new babies or whatever it is, they get a meal. It's just this extraordinary thing. 
I know someone else, um, Dino, he uh, had a thing about being in prison. He'd um, had a bit of a broken history himself. He wanted to help people in prison. So he basically uh, started visiting prison, and then he set up a little program. It's really informal to try and help prisoners come back into the community. It was based in his church, and it became a, a national pilot system for effectively integrating people back into the community. It's what moved him. It's what his heart is. I I could tell lots and lots of stories. And I know looking around the room, you've got lots and lots of stories. But what is it that is moving you? What is it that moves you? Uh, How might you respond? Because what we do uh, often is we think, oh, no, it would never be me. I can never make a difference. Or, no, I could never do that. But actually, uh, all these people just do small things. And God just... And I know looking around the room, many of you have done just that. So secondly, I'm saying we've got to know our heartbeat if we're to respond to this because we cannot stay as we are. I think it was Einstein said, only really stupid people keep doing the same old thing over and over again, expect different results. We have to change. We have to do things differently. And this is all of us. This is all of us together. We've got to capture, like Nehemiah, uh, what is moving us, what God is calling us to. Third suggestion. Are you ready for it? We need to pray. We need to pray. Verses 4b to 11. This is what Nehemiah does. He said he weeps, and then this is what happens. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Then I said, Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments, let your ear be attentive and your eyes be open to hear the prayer your servant is praying before you day and night for your servants, the people of Israel. I found it quite strange in a way, a bit shocking, but Alan from the diocese said, you know, in terms of responding to what's going on around us, we've got a number of blockages. And the blockage I remember was this. He said, the big blockage for us in Surrey is that we are too gifted. We're often quite professional. We're often quite accomplished. And we like to be in control. And the first thing we tend to do is we actually have a planning meeting or a strategy day, or um, we just get the group together and we plan it all out. And, um, you know, we're not immune for this uh, in this church, you know. And uh, basically, Nehemiah didn't start with that. He started in prayer. And it's really, really important that we pray. You know, prayer is phenomenally powerful. I'm trying to remind myself of that. I pray regularly, but I often think sometimes, Lord, is this making any difference? Or what's going on here? But we uh, have to be people who pray. And, um, you know, Nehemiah prayed day and night. The last time I prayed all night, I really struggled. It was at that all-night prayer night. Uh, Who was there? We had a few months ago, just standing in here, praying all night. It was was quite challenging. But there's power in prayer. And actually, uh, in our own resources, in our own strength, I finally learned this. We can't actually do very much or get very far. We need God to anoint us and to open things up for us. And we, we have lots of prayer stuff planned in the future. Was anyone at the term prayer meeting? 
uh, the Termini prayer night. Uh, it was a great night, actually. A few people are sort of quietly admitting it. It was actually, I thought, a good night. And uh, it was great to lift things up to God. Now, in our PCC meetings, uh, we start with worship, we start with prayer every night, we try and just focus on God. And at the last one on the 19th of September, a woman, she's been a Christian 40 or 50 years, maybe more, she was driving across the hog's back and she said, you never guess what happened, God started to speak to me tonight. She said, I've been a Christian for 40, 50 years, this has never happened in this way before, so I had to pull over the car. And stop. And I grabbed a pen and I wrote down what I think he was saying to us. And this is what she felt. This is this woman who's been a faithful follower of Jesus for many years, had this sense from God. This is what he felt uh, her saying. Uh, she felt him saying, Turn from what's expected, from what's normal, from what's safe and secure, even from what's seen as decent. Move closer to live continually in the light where I am. Tailgate me. It's difficult to hear from me at a distance. Sometimes at a distance, you don't always get the right message. And so actually, this is a call to prayer, to intimacy with God, and to just let God be God. We've got to be people who let God be God. Often we plan things out. Here is our 1030 run sheet. And um, by the way... Uh, at 10.35, hour was meant to start his intercessions. At 10.39, uh, we were to have the reading. 10.42, I was to start the sermon. Oh, dear. And um, we plan it all out, but we've got to be open to God. And we've got to be open to what he's doing when we gather, but also uh, individually. Fourthly, are you ready for number four? Are you with me? Is anyone still out there? We need to take the next step. Now, Nehemiah was a Mr. Strategy, Mr. Planner extraordinaire once he'd sought God and God got God's heart. And he's a very, very practical man. In chapter 2, you'll know, he goes to the king and says, look, I need letters of recommendation from you so I can get safe passage up to Jerusalem. Also, could you write a letter to your head of the king's forests so that I can get some decent wood for the gate? Please just give it to me. And then if you read the book of Nehemiah, he's just this, just this just this extraordinary project manager of huge numbers of people with armor praying and rebuilding the walls in different sections of the walls. So please hear me. Uh, Strategy planning, engaging, taking the next step is really important. We mustn't be super spiritual. That's what Nehemiah models. And basically, you know... um, you know, uh, we have to just take the next step and do the next thing, what God is asking us to do. And do you ever have a sense of what you're... Let's just do a quick survey. Who here does feel moved in certain areas to do certain things? So, you see, this is God. We're, this is normal, right? This shouldn't surprise us. Okay, are you taking the next step? Hands up if you've taken the next step. So, look at that. So, about a third of you have... Two-thirds if you haven't. And so really my prayer today is that we would take the next step. If we're to do this, we mustn't be super spiritual. We mustn't um, sort of uh, worry about what's going to happen. And uh, basically, we just have to overcome a few things. First, the busyness factor. If you're going to take the next step, the busyness factor. There's never a good time to do this. You're always too busy. 
okay? Seems to me everyone's busy in life. I mean, my children are busy. They're, the oldest is 11. They've got too much on at school. There's a whole other topic there. Um, students are crazily busy. Young professionals are busy. People with young children are really busy. Then do people retire now? No, I don't think they do. They sort of then start looking after the grandparents and their older parents, and, uh, and then they sort of juggle everything going crazy until they die. So we're, we're all busy. So don't please, don't please, sorry, don't please, 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 don't think when uh, things have calmed down, because they're not going to calm down, okay? So that's the first thing. Just get real about that as you think about this. Secondly, you've got to overcome the blancmange factor. As Christians, it, someone many years ago just dumped a blancmange on my head. I won't tell the whole story now. I haven't got time. And um, Basically, I couldn't really see where I was going. It was all over my glasses. I was thinking, I just can't quite work out where I'm going. I can't see stuff. Actually, as you take the next step, you're never going to know where you're going to go. You just take the next step. Okay? You just take the next step. I stood on the doors here. I thought, I really, my heart is to connect with the community. What shall I do? Lord, pray, 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 pray. I don't hear you saying much. Pray, 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 pray. Okay, let's not be super spiritual. There's the law courts over there. There's the police station over there. There's a school over there. And I'm going to try and connect with them. And I've, I've been talking to partners in law firms, criminal law firms. I've been talking to magistrates uh, with mixed success. Um, and... <laughs> And sort of stuff. Well, I've ended up. Uh, I've ended up. I'm just becoming a police chaplain. That's what I've ended up. Now, uh, that's what I'm doing. I met the guys last week. I'm the chaplain to the patrol teams who you race around on the, with the blue lights, and I'm going out with them. I've got a great high vis jacket that says chaplain on it. I'm really excited. And, and basically, even though it looks a bit sad, and um, basically, I don't care. I'm owning it. I'm owning it. And then. Um, who knows? But I, do, I don't know where it's going to go. I don't know where it's going to go. But I do know at Christmas we're ho- hosting a carol service on the back of this for the police service, the fire service, the ambulance service, and the street angels. That's cool. I don't know where it's going to go. But I'm not worried about where it's going to go. Next Thursday at 3 o'clock, I'm just going to walk into the police station for two hours and then walk out at 5 and see what happens. I don't know. I've got blamange on my head. <laughs> So, I might struggle to say this, but I'm going to say this. I was praying last week, and there's an exception to this, which is this. I was praying last week about today, and I just saw this vision. It's like fish swimming along, really happy. Then they just hit this invisible wall and sunk to the bottom, almost just slightly sort of dazed or dead. And, you know, if you've had one of those times when you've hit the wall as a Christian and you're dazed, you're feeling a bit dead, and suddenly it's just, whoa. I would just get some healing from God and not be trying to engage with this right now. I would just seek to be letting God restore you so that you can get going again. Okay. And what I want to do is I just want to pray for people right now and what I'd love you to do if you've just hit the wall if you've hit the wall can you just put a hand up this is we're family can we just do this there's quite a few people hit the wall here so what we're going to do we're going to pray for people anyone else hit the wall 
and you, it's just something's come out of surprise. You're like, oh my goodness. Anyone else? Hands up. You see the hands. We're going to pray for you right now. So let's gather around these people. Turn around. You don't have to stay where you've hit the wall. We're just going to pray for you right now. There's a lady on the right-hand side. There's people back right. And we're just going to pray for you, okay? Because the Lord is seen. The Lord knows. And I don't think this applies to you in terms of let's all get going and forge mission. You just need some restoration and healing. So let's just gather around. Uh, If you can keep your hands up. If you can just be... This is, you don't have to say what it is, and then people can gather around you. We're going to pray for you, okay? Because we need to just pray for people who've hit the wall, okay? And if you're not gathering around, just pray for restoration for these people who have found themselves in this odd situation. And Josh is going to come up. He's just going to play and that we're going to just pray for our brothers and sisters in our family who just find themselves dazed and at the bottom of the pool right now. Thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit. Just more and more, Lord. Bring your comfort, Father. Bring your comfort, Lord. And light where there's darkness, Lord. Hope where there's despair, we pray. Your presence where it just feels like 